we are working moms and we don't get to go home and have the nap midday and we don't get the great 10 hours of sleep at night. And our, our diet is not great because it might've been McDonald's for the drive-through because we got to go to soccer or we got to go to the basketball and you're just doing whatever you can to make ends meet most of the time. So it's recognizing that I'm not going to be perfect. Running a hundred miles seems impossible and maybe even kind of crazy. And it is, but we believe in big crazy dreams. That's why we ran a hundred miles. It was such a life-changing experience for us, we decided to devote this podcast to preparing and inspiring you to run your first ultra race. Are you ready to feel the highest highs and the lowest lows? Are you ready to do what you once thought was impossible? Are you ready for your trail to 100? Thank you for joining us here on Trail to 100, the podcast made to help you finish your first 100-mile race. My name is Jacob Bateman. Joined along with me is my beautiful and lovely wife, Melody. Sup? And today, we are joined by Angie Moses. Now, Angie is a mother of two. She also works three different jobs. One of them is a full-time job. And in the midst of all that, she found a way to run 100 miles. Amazing. And Angie, we really are able to get into the details with her in this conversation about how she was able to find the time, about how she was able to figure out how to walk at her desk with the treadmill, with little things, finding those simple tricks. She also talks about the mindset needed to run 100 miles, about learning to train your mind during training. She talks about having fun. Yes, having fun with the training, but also accepting the hurt when you're out there. And she really really just gets into the training part of a hundred mile mile race because ultimately that is the biggest part. Well, well the training part and being able to balance training with kids yeah. and life yes. and, work and everything. Yes. Yes. And anyway, she shares so many good pieces of advice, especially if you're a parent out there looking to try to achieve a hundred miles and wondering how to fit that in with being a dad or a mom and also working full-time. Angie did it, and she's got a great story to share with it. And so let's get to it. All right, Angie, thank you for joining us here on Trail to 100. We are so excited to talk to a mother of two, a woman who holds three jobs, and excited to hear how you found time to run 100 miles in between that. Yeah, I'm uh I'm really excited to be here. I don't have my kids with me tonight and uh get to have the weekend away, so I'm actually pretty excited. But uh yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> hey, that's nice is someone watching them? Yeah, they are with my parents for the weekend. They're really excited. They're going to stay in a hotel in our town just to swim because it's cold. So uh, they're all excited. And then me and my husband kind of get the weekend away. It's kind of our Christmas present to each other. Oh, so how fun. That's yeah. awesome. Well, thanks for taking time out of your weekend getaway to chat with us. Yeah, no, this is perfect. He's at the gym perfect. and works out well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> perfect. So Angie, as I said earlier, you have, you work three different jobs varying, and then you also have two kids 
what why even take the time to try to run 100 miles like where did this desire to fit running into your life come from you know i well i never thought 100 miles was ever something i could accomplish and even after my second child i had told myself cuz i was into triathlons for a little bit and i'd built up to like half ironman distance and it was just taking so much time and i had done that after i had had my son and it just with life and work and nursing and, you know, all of the fun stuff that comes with being a mom, I just was really struggling. So even after I had my daughter, I said, you know, I don't need to do longer distance. I can rein it in, just stick to doing like half marathons. Like it's still a good distance. You'll enjoy it. And somehow or another, I just kept adding distance and I couldn't stop. And then here we are. So, you know, it's just, I think we're all different. I think the mental aspect of ultra running was something that's really kind of pulled me in, you know, and I I really kind of honed in on, I love the mental aspect of it that comes with ultra running. And, uh, you know, I think you just, you just find the time to do it. And I think I've learned that it doesn't, it doesn't require that you have to run ungodly amounts every single week. Granted, you know, people might think what I run might seem ungodly to them. But when you start (laughs) talking to (laughs) pro athletes and, you know, or when you hear people who are able to get, you know, their their average weekly mileage is like 70 miles per week, which to to me is that's just insane that that's, you know, like a typical week for somebody. Even in my 100 miler, I think I peaked at like 60 miles was about the most I could fit in my schedule and still have like a day off and still have time with my family and and work. And, you know, it just that was what my schedule allowed me to do. I didn't know what to anticipate going into the race. You know, there was the fears, of course, that came with that. You, You listen to podcasts, you listen to people talk and when they do say they got all those miles in, then you start doubting yourself. You're like, oh my gosh, I'm not doing half of that. Like, can I cover that? You know, there's a lot of self-doubt that comes with that. But I mean, race day came and it was more than enough. Uh, I, I learned a ton. I think I can build on that. I think I can do better. I, I think, you know, would I like to maybe get some higher mileage? Maybe, but it just is going to depend on if life lets me do it. So, yeah. right. See, and that that is what our listeners like to hear. I think that's relatable versus the pros who are like 120 miles a week. Who who has time for that when you have a family and a job and other responsibilities? Right. So, so oh, go ahead. So, Angie, like on that same topic, I know when I first started looking into running 100 miles. I heard about, yeah, I started listening to some podcasts and most of the podcasts were like, yeah, you got to get up to about 80 miles a week. That seems pretty typical. A lot of the the elites will tell you, yeah, you need to be getting up to that 70, 80 mile range that a week. That seemed crazy to and us at the time. Did that, ha- what gave you the confidence to think I can still do this without having <sighs> to do that? Because at first when I heard that, I'm like, I'm not running a hundred miles. There's no way I'm ever getting up to that many miles a week, <laughs> especially at my pace. You know, I, I just tried to not think about it. I do use a coach and I trust him wholeheartedly 
with my training. And if he was putting me at 60 miles a week and he thought that was going to get me to where I needed to be on race day, I did not question it. And it did. And so, you know, I think I have a lot of stubbornness. I think with any type of ultra, if you don't have stubbornness, build it, you need it. But I, I think in my brain, I was like, what I lack in miles, I can make up for and just sheer stubbornness and pure will to keep <laughs> going. So I didn't know what it was going to look like. I didn't know how much walking there was going to be at the end. I didn't know how pretty it would be, but I knew I could finish it. So that was where I was. That's awesome. Well, I think that's what a hundred mile race is. I, I think you need to get to the point where you physically are in shape enough to run 50 miles. And then after that, I think it is just stubbornness and willpower and it's just a mental game. So I, I, I think if you can get up to, you know, what did you say? Like 50, 60 miles is where you're at. If you can get up to like 30 to 60, I got miles about a week, 60. I went back and looked. Perfect. Yeah. 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 I think that sounds just about right. And it wasn't so. like that was every week too. You know, I mean, I would peak at about 60, but then I would also, you know, have recovery weeks where I would say average was around like, I would say if you averaged out my 16 to 20 weeks that I was training, I would say average probably was in the 40s with some peak weeks in the 60s. And and that was, that's what worked for me, you know, and I would still, at the beginning of my training, I would run about five days a week. And then towards the end, we upped it to six days, but one day would have just been like three or four miles, like super chill, you know, not very far, just really building that run on tired legs kind of aspect. And, you know, it wasn't much just getting time on feet because my main job, I don't get a lot of time on feet. And that was something that kind of worried me a little bit uh, as like with my primary job as a simulation coordinator, a lot of what I do is on the computer. So I wasn't getting a ton of time on feet with my main job. Now, when I work on the floor a few shifts a month as a nurse, those days I get plenty of time on feet. So (laughs) that's good training. And I would tell myself on a week that I didn't get a run, but I was working at 12, which is really like 13, 14 hour shift at the hospital. That was a different type of training. You know, I still considered that as part of my training because I was still spending time on feet. So you know, I just had to view everything that I did as training. Totally. My dad was telling me that when you run, 70% of your energy is used just to be upright. And then 30% of your energy is to run. So you have to look at other things as as training. The, the more time you're on your feet, even if you're just standing at your computer, that that is going to help you so much. Yep. So... Yeah, Angie, and I, wanna, I just for Christmas. Oh, oh go ahead. Yo, know, you go ahead, and then I'll. Tell well, you. I was gonna say for Christmas, what I asked for for training for this year to up my time on feet, I asked for a walking pad treadmill. So just since Christmas, I'll walk, you know, an, an additional six to seven miles just working at my desk. Which to me, that was like again, it's like this is purely a how do I optimize what time I do have. That if I run in the morning, but then I also am just walking at one and a half, two miles an hour just to work versus sitting. It's just, again, adding to my training and getting more time on feet to help with the, you know, those long runs where you're, you're just exhausted and you just have to keep yourself moving forward. 
Totally. I think oh, that's that, genius. That the, is awesome. The it, walking treadmill under the desk. Oh, yeah. Like, it, honestly, take an extra six to seven miles. Yeah. That, that's, that's awesome. Huge. If you're looking to just finish, like getting used to time on feet is huge. And and like I, I had one training block, I think similar to yours, where I think I peaked out around maybe 50 miles for my second hundred because of injury and things. And, but I, I, I finished that one stronger than my first. And I attribute that because at the time I was actually working a flooring job. And I think mm-hmm. I, I, tri- I remember just feeling so strong in that hundred. And I, and I think it was, I was like, it's time on feet. I didn't get the training I wanted in, but I was just used to being on my feet all day. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you hear these stories of like farmers who are awesome ultra runners because they're used to being on their feet all day. Right. And they're also used to going on little sleep. But uh, one, one more cool story there is I had a, a teacher in PTA school who did this experiment. She was a big skier and she decided one year she wasn't going to sit at her desk ever. And so for the entire year, she stood at her desk and she said it was the best skiing season ever. So it really does make a big difference to just be on your feet. Yeah. So Angie, I want to rewind just a little bit just to get to know you and and your motivating. What makes your brain tick a little more on this? So (laughs) Why, what were you looking for in the hundred mile distance? Why did you, why not just keep running marathons? Why not run halves? Why not have fun at the city 5Ks? Why set this big grand, there has to be something more. What was behind it? So I, yeah, so I think I discovered one, I hate marathons. Like I hate them. I just hate that distance. <laughs> I don't know why. I, I think it's just mentally I I will never be a marathon runner that somebody is going to write home about. My time is just very mediocre because I don't I don't like to run fast. <laughs> I'm just not really good <laughs> at fast and I don't enjoy it. I mean, can I run fast for a while? Yeah, could I probably improve my marathon? on time. Absolutely. But it doesn't like spark that joy for me to like have to spend so much time, like really focused on speed work. I do speed work when I'm training for an ultra, but I, you know, and it's one day a week and I'm not like truly trying to like completely max out. And it's again, I, I work a lot and I'm not, I'm not going to become great at that. And, and I don't even know that I'm necessarily becoming great at ultra running. But at the same time, I think I've discovered I might be just a really average runner, but I can run really average for a really long time. <laughs> and so, <laughs> you know, if, if you can withstand being average for a really long time, <laughs> then you become not so bad. Like you really move up in the pack the further you go on average. Yeah. <laughs> that was one of the so best descriptions. That's I've really kind of, I think what has sparked, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like sparked my, like, that's where I'm like, Hey, I can be good at being just okay for a really long time. <laughs> and so I think, you know, I did a 50 miler, and I, I have a really good friend and she's an incredible ultra runner and she is well beyond average at what she does. And, you know, so I would always go with her and I would do like the shorter distance and then I would help crew for her. And then, you know, 
each time we would go, she would always be like, I'm going to do the 24 hour. I'm like, you're crazy. I'm going to do, you know, the shorter distance and then I'll crew for you. And then it kind of got to the point where I was like, well, you know what? I want to go a little bit further. I think I can go a little bit further. And then she had signed up for a 50 miler and I had just done a six hour. It was really, truly, it was a six hour track, um, you know, 400 meter loop. She did the 24 hour. I signed up for the six hour (laughs) and I actually don't mind it. I, I mean, I'm sure I've got a few screws loose, like that. I don't (laughs) mind running in circles like that, (laughs) but I didn't mind it. I did not have the day that I wanted, but it, I still got my goal mileage for the day. And so that went pretty good. And I really felt like I had more miles in me and that would have been, I got 34 miles on that in the six hour. And then the next year we looked and she was going to do the 50 miler and there Pause yeah. really quick. I just have to ask you. So you said in this 34 mile one, you said you were projectile vomiting at one second and or at, at one point and you were peeing blood for several hours after the race. I, I did. That's intense. <laughs> yeah. It, so it didn't go quite as planned. <laughs> My training had been great <laughs> for that race. <laughs> and um, I have no idea what happened that day. Like I don't, I, I, I don't know. I, within like the first three hours, I just started to not feel well. I had done everything race day as I had in training. She and I spent a ton of time training on the track together. I was, you know, I stuck to my like nutrition plan to a T that had been working great in training. And by like three hours, I could not take in anything. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm only like halfway through this. And I, I know I've got to take a nutrition. My stomach was just in knots. I would get a terrible side stitch. And so I was like still trying to push myself to go forward. I, I had made my mind up, like I wanted to hit 34 miles and that was before the race. That was my A goal. And then like, once I hit that low, I'm like, there's no way I'm going to get it. So then I was in a mentally like really rough spot at like mile or hour four. I was just not not in a good place, but I kept going. And I think within the final hour, I started to realize like, if you just keep pushing yourself to go forward, I think you can get your goal. And so I, I mean, I was pushing myself beyond what my body was wanting to do at that point. I wasn't able to take in anything. Anytime I tried to take in any nutrition, it would just make my side, like my body had at that point had shut down. Like it was no doing no digestion. So I know I got really dehydrated. That would probably be why I was peeing blood for a good while. That was a new one for me. Little stress as a nurse. I was like, oh my gosh, oh my. if I had to go to the ER for this, <laughs> like, uh, I don't yeah. want to have to tell that story, but you're like, that'll be embarrassing. You know, yeah. When, when none of your family, yeah. Like when, well, at least then it would have been in Georgia. So it wasn't at home, but okay. you know, when oh, your yeah, family okay. <laughs> thinks you're crazy for what you do anyway, and then you have to like, you know, family thinks you're crazy that you're going to get hurt. You're going to do all this stuff. And then you're like, Oh man, what have I done? Um, <laughs> so right. I was a little nervous, but all was well, but my, my husband was there. He was crewing with us. And I just know, like I hit 34 miles at like five hours, 59 minutes and like 51 seconds. So like I crossed over that and I just walked straight off the course 
And the next thing I know is the second I got off the course, like, I mean, it was so bad. (laughs) I just started vomiting like it was not good. And I felt a hand on my back and it was my husband. I didn't even know he showed up and he's like, you okay? And I'm like, nope, not okay. (laughs) You're like, I think I'm Uh, dying, but I got my goal. (laughs) But I did it. (laughs) So then I walked back to our tent and our other friend was there and he's like, how do you feel? I'm like, I honestly feel way better now, but it's over. So (laughs) So I went back to the hotel. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. (laughs) I was just going to say, went back to the hotel, drank a lot of Gatorade because I was really nervous. I was like, oh, my gosh, what have I done? But then, you know, took took a little nap and then went back out and crewed for Laura as she finished up her race that night. So it you would think that would have deterred me, but it didn't. So once I didn't injure myself and all was fine. (laughs) Exactly. So then we signed up and did the 50 miler. And. You know, I had a few issues with that, too. I mean, I think with anybody who's doing ultras, do you ever truly get your nutrition, like, figured out? I don't know. I'm still trying to figure that out because I think you you think you've got it, but then it works great one day and it doesn't work great the next day. So then you start questioning all of your life choices and wanting to throw out (laughs) everything that's worked because it's worked 80 percent of the time and it doesn't work one time. So you think now it'll no longer ever work. I I don't know. (laughs) Nutrition's just the whole whole different ball game but oh yeah you know for for my 50 miler it I did pretty good and I actually felt really strong in that run I I didn't I didn't have to walk very much at all in that I mean I think I think my my end time ended up being like I think I wanted to finish like under nine and a half hours was like my a goal and I ended up finishing in like eight hours and 10 minutes and I was I mean tickled pink with that. Like I said, it was much better than I anticipated with that. And so, and I, like I had had that moment, you know, probably about mile 40, I think where you start to realize like, and I think what, what people don't realize and what people think when they go into ultras is they think that it's like not going to hurt, you know, that like you train and it's not going to hurt. But I think to me, what I've recognized is the hurt sets in at about mile 20 like it does on a training run it's just recognizing that that you get comfortable there and it doesn't get worse you just have to learn to live in an area of discomfort and once you accept that then you really start to realize like oh i can do this for a really long time because it's not getting worse and there was there's a lot of those system checks right where you're going okay i hurt but it's not worse. It's not, it's not a, I'm not hurt. This isn't an abnormal pain. Granted, do those show up and do you have to be smart and recognize like, is this an expected hurt or is this an injury hurt? Because obviously, you know, if you're training and especially, you know, looking at that and you've got a lot of things going on, I have to be cautious. I am a mom and I have a lot of other priorities and obligations outside of life. And I, outside of my life are running anyway. And so I can't just push through and, you know, push myself to a limit where I'm then injured and can't live up to my expectations and my responsibilities outside of running. Right. I'm not getting paid to do this. I am paying to do this. So (laughs) 
not losing any sponsorship deals at the end of this run, you know. So uh, I, I think there is that you do have to like listen to your body and go, okay. But it, it, there's also that like, yes, I hurt, but I'm, you know, I learned in my 50 miler that I had to tell myself like, ooh, I hurt. Of course you hurt. You're 30 miles into a run. Like 30 miles is going to hurt. So accept that it is what it is and just keep going. And that really helped me in doing that 50 miler to recognize like, oh, okay, I didn't feel any different from about mile 30 until I finished. And when I finished, I was like, okay, I, I still could have kept going. And so I think that once that like level in your brain, like kind of unlocks, I think that's what I've, and you know, I know a lot of people have heard like Courtney DeWalter and she talks about her pain cave and she goes in there and she rearranges and all of that stuff. And I find that a great analogy for me. It's kind of like a video game inside my brain. And, you know, Mm. with each run, we might be in a level and every time we do a run, we go a little bit further or we learn something then we've unlocked a new level. And with each race, you know, each race is a different level in a game. And I think with training runs, with everything, we're not necessarily going to, you know, beat the level first try. And that doesn't mean that we can't beat the level. It just means we have to troubleshoot and we start over and we recognize where do we make our mistakes. And then we continue on until we beat that level and then go to the next level. And so I think once you start opening up those thought processes, I think it really helps us to recognize like, okay, it might not be going how I planned. Let's restart. Let's troubleshoot. Let's think about how can I take from a previous instance, what worked, what didn't work, but I'm not hurt. I'm not dying. I might hurt, but that's different than being hurt. Yeah. And let's just get comfortable. Okay, I love the video game analogy. That is fantastic. Because then it's like your long runs and training are like the mini bosses. And then (laughs) the race is like the actual boss. And, And I love that idea of like, okay, maybe you don't defeat the mini boss or maybe you don't even defeat the boss, but you have unlimited lives in a video game. You just restart the game and you do it all over again and it's not that big of a deal. And I think that's such a great... I think I'm going to use that. I think I like that better than the pain cave, honestly. And I also kind of like the nerdiness of it. You know? <laughs> Maybe that's my problem. I'm, I'm pretty nerdy. So I think that's where that works for me. But I, you know, I also think too, we have to play mind games with our training runs because I think what's really hard, and I know I'm probably not alone in this, all too often we start doing a training run and we'll be in the middle of a training block and it might only be 16 to 20 miles and it'll feel so hard. And we then start doubting ourselves because we're like, oh my gosh, that was, if 16 miles was so hard and I could not do that today, or even when you go on a midweek run and it's only six miles and it feels really hard, then you start like putting that self doubt in there that makes it really hard to then like wrap your head around running a hundred miles. So I would play a lot of mental games when I would be doing even short midweek runs where it's like, okay, I'm not feeling good. Let's pretend I'm on mile 60. So say this is how you feel on mile 60. How are you going to keep pushing through? Because you're not taking into consideration the accumulation of miles that you've had over the past three weeks that's led your legs to be tired on the four miles that you're doing that day. So I would have to like consistently play those mind games with myself to go, yes, you're tired, but okay, let's pretend we're starting at mile 
this long run today, we're starting at mile 30. Let's just go there. That way, when I'm in that level of hurt, I can start trying to tell myself, okay, well, this is what you're maybe going to be feeling at mile 60. What are you going to do? Or because I'd never been beyond 50. I didn't know. You know, I think that's the hardest part. You can listen to every person talk. You know, you can listen to endless podcasts. You can listen to everybody. You can pick their brains on. But until you've done it, you you truly don't know how you're going to feel, how you're going to respond, what it's truly like until you've got that experience. And so I kept playing those mental games, but I had no idea if it was going to work or not. <laughs> right. Well, it, it obviously did. I, and, and that's exactly what you have to do you on, on those runs. And, you yeah. know, as you as you you say that, I think, I mean, first off, you just shared a lot of gold tips for beginner ultra runners. <laughs> I know. I'm like, thank and you. There's this is so, so good. much to unpack in what you shared. But as you say that, you talking about like hitting like a 16 mile run and it's really hard because you're running on tired legs at the end of the week. You know, you may be a little bit sleep deprived, kids up late that previous night and pretending like, okay, I'm at mile 40 right now, you know, say I've run 40 miles this week up to this point. Let's just say my body's feeling like I'm at mile 40. I think you're training your brain to, to that's, I think, I think that's as close as you can get to training your brain to deal with being at mile 40 and being on tired legs. I was listening to yeah. a podcast the other day about where he, they were talking about ultra running and the guy said he thinks one of people's biggest mistakes is they don't train their brain for race day and and i think what yeah. you just shared there is a perfect way to train the brain train the mind for race day when you're on when your legs are tired and you're on that long run it's the end of the week just go to mile 60 say okay let it's hennepin 100 day mile 60 well it's visual yeah. uh, visualization yeah. why is that a hard word to yeah say? yeah <laughs> And so, <laughs> yes, thank you for sharing that. I, I don't think that's something we've really hit on. We've always talked about mental toughness, but like you have to really like what you share, share right there is a very realistic way to apply training the brain for race day. Well, and I want to, since we're on this topic, I just want to throw this in really quick. I, a lot of people ask like, how long do you need to run to train for a 100 mile race? And when we were first training for a 100 mile race, we had people who were like, so are you going to like run 100 miles in training? Or are you going to like run 70 miles in training? And you don't do that because you just wreck your body, right? And when when I train athletes, I say that the longest distance you really need to run before finishing a 100 mile race, I I think a 50k. If you can get a one, at least one 50k in, that that's kind of my general rule of thumb. But I do have some athletes who choose to do one or two 50s in their training. I I think like for their body, that might not be the best thing. That's probably a little bit too much, but. A lot of athletes, that just gives them the confidence that they need to run 100 miles. Once you've finished one or two 50s in your training, sometimes your brain just needs that. And so I think in training, you're always kind of weighing like the physical pros and cons and mental pros and cons and um, trying to find that, that balance between training your mind and training your body. I also think that with that, though, too, there's there's so much like individuality with people too, 100%. because, you know, 
even though I might have been newer to ultras, I had a fairly good running base before I like started venturing into ultra. So I think, you know, and I only did a 50K in training, exactly what you said. I still, even though I had a semi-decent base, it's still on the lower end, you know, compared to a lot of ultra athletes, that kind of thing. So I didn't want to, I had done the 50 miler the season before. That was my big race. And that's what I had trained for. And then, so it's really like, I kind of pick like really kind of focusing in on, for me, it's like one good a race per year. Cause that's what my, my life allows me to do. So I spend a lot of time training up for an a race and you know, I, I have to take into consideration. I'm, I'm not going to be able to go and do a lot of destination races per se. I do like to try to travel a little bit if I can, but I also have to take into consideration. I, you know, I don't have a ton of like really good trails around my house and I don't have the time to travel to go run. You know, my run might be in the morning before work, got to be back before, you know, the kids wake up to get them ready for school and before I have to get ready to get ready to go to work. So, you know, I'm very limited on when and where. So I have to do what is going to be most efficient for me. So I don't need to sign up for some mountain race when I don't have the ability to truly train for it in, in my everyday life. And so I do have to look for races that I think are manageable in terms of what kind of terrain do I have to work with every day yeah. and, and that kind of thing. And I think that's something we all have to you know, take into consideration if, if you live in, you know, I, I can run Hills at home, but I'm not, you know, it's just completely different. I'm not going to be able to get used to the altitude. I went and did a race in Colorado and was there for a day and I was like, I am dying. Like I can't breathe. And so, (laughs) you know, it was, (laughs) that's not my normal. And so, you know, knowing that that's not something I'm going to be able to go up there a week before to get acclimated, like that's not going to happen. After Hennepin, I finished my race Sunday morning and I got to go home and take a couple hour nap. Well, home to the Airbnb. And then we had to get on the road because I had to be at work on Monday. So, you know, I mean, it wasn't like I had this huge downtime or could plan this big, long vacation around it because I needed to get back to work. So I think that's something we also have to take in consideration when we're, we're training. I think now that I'm getting a little bit more comfortable with higher mileage, I might do a few longer distances in some of my training plans. But again, for me, I think it's to try to work through kinks on nutrition and also just recognizing like I I know my body pretty well right now. And I also know like I'm pretty good on things like that with like recognizing like doing a run walk, setting an interval and trying not to completely wreck myself. And I'm not going out again. I, I, I aim at being average for a long time and not pushing the pace And so, you know, that I think plays a big piece into it too. In my recovery, I can usually recover fairly quick because I'm not truly pushing the pace all that hard. Right. Well, and I I also have to say for other listeners who are super, super busy and trying to train for 100 miles, there's so much more you can do besides adding more miles to train for a 100 mile race. Oh, yeah. Um, so, like you said, like you want to work on dialing in your nutrition. You can also add strength training in, mobility work. Maybe you're trying to just sleep more. Like there's so much you can do. It's not just about the miles. 
So well, and I think too, you have to take into consideration because, and that was a big piece for me, was you know if I'm not getting great sleep, I like sleep and I need sleep to recover. Mm-hmm. Some people can run on a lot less sleep than I can, but if it came down to getting two or three extra miles versus getting an extra hour of sleep, sleep would win because mm-hmm. I could tack on extra miles mm-hmm. and get higher mileage during the week. But then I'm not allowing my body to recover. So for me, less miles with more sleep was more productive than more miles with less sleep. Oh, thank you for saying that. That was a big thing I I did want to bring up because I am the same way. I am so jealous of people like, okay, I know I bring up Sally McRae on every single episode. Can you tell I'm a little bit obsessed? But she, I listen to all of her podcasts and and she is one of those people who she's like, yeah, I can, I can go off of, you know, four to seven hours of sleep. And there's, there's those runners like that, but I have never, as I have tried, I've tried to be like that. I'm like, okay, I'm going to be that person who gets up at four o'clock in the morning. And I am like the most terrible human if I don't get at least minimum eight hours of sleep. And that has been rough with a baby, um, but we're figuring it out. But anyways, I just... Thank you for saying that because not everybody can function on not a lot of sleep. Sleep is important and it is possible to train for hundred miles and get the sleep that you need. So thank you. Yes. I, if I start getting less than seven, that's where I start getting into the like not recovering at all mode. Mm -hmm. And so I really try to aim for a minimum of seven. I love eight if I can get that. But I mean, there are also, I do have to go in the morning and run a lot of times, especially, you know, in the middle of, you know, with, with teaching and everything. And if we've got 8am classes and stuff like that, you know, I, I don't have necessarily some of that flexibility. My husband's also an active person. And I think that it's hard because as you guys, we're definitely going to start recognizing when both of you are active and you have small kids, well, you can't go be active together because you got to take shifts, yeah. right? And so, right. you know, it's, I do better in the morning shift and he does better on an evening shift in terms of working out. So it's, you, you you do have to make those sacrifices because if I decide like I'm not going to run this morning and I want to go this afternoon, I could potentially then be taking away from my husband's workout time because then I all of a sudden became a little bit selfish. It's a little bit easier now that our kids are a little bit older that we can say, Hey, mom and dad, you know, dad's going to work out at the gym at the house. So he's still there. So it started to get a little bit easier because if I do want to go in the evening, I can maybe go run and then he can still be at the house and work out in the gym and the kids are still there. So it's like, you know, one of us, or I can jump on the treadmill and it's a little bit easier because, you know, if they start fighting, then I can hop off, go like break up the fight, then come back and then finish the run. You know, you, you, you can like, yeah. what's bad is when it gets quiet and then you're like, oh boy, like, do uh... I keep running or what are they doing? So um, a lot of times then it's just, you know, you just accept the mess or, you know, it's just part of it. But, you know, I do think that you really do have to balance that out. I also think that, you know, when you start looking at a lot of athletes and, and that's their job, you know, again, they're getting to go home and take naps. And and like whenever I talk with my friend, you know, we have to remind ourselves like we are working moms and we don't get to go home mm-hmm. and have the nap midday and we don't get the great 10 hours of sleep at night. 
and our our diet is not great because it might have been McDonald's for the drive through because we got to go to soccer or we got to go to the basketball and you're just doing whatever you can to make ends meet most of the time. So it's recognizing that I'm not going to be perfect. I'm, and I think it's finding that balance too of I want it to be fun. And if I start training, like it's so serious that I then start like taking away the fun of life. I'm not winning these races. So why am I, why, why am I making it become restrictive and taking away the fun when I do this for fun and I do it because I love it and it is my stress release. And if I start getting, and I do have to check myself sometimes because when I do get in heavy training weeks where then I'm starting to stress out about my runs but then I have to like take a moment and go, you are doing this for fun. No one is forcing you to go run six hours on Saturday. That's a choice that you're making. <laughs> so, you know, it is one of those things where it's like, I have to kind of sometimes take a step back and go, if this is starting to stress me out, I, I need to evaluate because I don't have to do this distance. I don't have to push myself to this extreme. I can take a step back and no one's going to judge me and that's okay. And it's, it's recognizing, you know, where, where you are in life and what your circumstances are. It was a lot easier. I think with this last training cycle, I think just as my kids are getting a little bit older, it made it a little bit easier. They know mom's going to go for a run. They know I'm shoot half the time I'm I've ran, been home and showered before they even wake up. So they don't even have a clue half the time, you know, you know what, what I've done or, you know, even this morning I get done with my run and I'm in the kitchen, you know, getting breakfast together. And my son's like, oh, did you go run this morning? I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm already back. And he's like, oh, okay. You know, and then he just goes about it like, you know, it's, that's normal to them as they sleep you know, peacefully in their bed. <laughs> so, uh, Man, you know, it's kids. just, God, it's so good. <laughs> yeah. They, they think we're like awful because we're making them like do loops, right? Like run laps in the yard every now and then just to like get some physical activity. <laughs> it's right. like, what do you mean run for 10 minutes? I'm like, Oh my gosh, you poor thing. <laughs> so, so just, you know, just for listeners who have really young kids and they're really struggling. How how old are your kids? Like, when does it start to get easier? Uh, well, you, you know, they go through phases. I'm probably, well, I will say you guys are in the thick of it. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> been there, don't want to do it again. <laughs> but, um, so my son is six and my daughter is four. One, I also think every kid is individual. I my know. daughter's, you know, she, well, she was really, truly just an, awful baby really not <laughs> enjoyable to be around for the first like 16 months of her life um and then she finally just one day we actually you know joked like oh hey she's like likable all of a sudden um but she was rough <laughs> for a while but she was a good sleeper my son mm-hmm. was not a good sleeper that first year and that really made it hard you know i i nursed both of them for the first year of their life and you know that is something that you definitely have to plan around as a mom and trying to run. And, you know, so it would be 
planning out sessions to make sure I can either be home or eat enough or drink enough. And yeah, absolutely. So that truly felt like a more of a full-time job than anything. And so, you know, there was a lot of, I felt like those, that first year with both of them was incredibly difficult just because I felt like I was on, you know, I never got more than three to four hours a way to do something. So it would be really hard to, you know, try to plan out a run or whatever the case may be. And then there's just the stress of it, you know, with having a baby and you're also not sleeping. My son didn't sleep well at night until like a year. Nobody warned me that that was a thing. I thought, you know, everybody makes it sound like after like three or four months, they'll start sleeping through the night and then you get to sleep again. Not the case at all with him. So, you know, and then my daughter was a great sleeper. So that made it easier. But then you also still had a two-year-old. At that point in time, my husband traveled and was gone about six months out of the year a lot of times. So then it would be me with both kids. So then that also was something I would have to plan for my mother-in-law to come over and watch him on a Saturday morning so I could run a lot of time on treadmill, on a bike trainer. You know, we, we have, you know, basic gym equipment in our house. So a lot of it was getting it done at home, you know, trying to plan it in nap times, which really never worked. Um, (laughs) you know, so it was just kind of do your best. And it was really recognizing. I love to run with the group. And for those first couple years with both kids, I didn't really want to commit to a group because I would flake, you know, it was like, because again, it's like, if the baby was up for three or four hours, I'm not going to go run, but I also don't like to be a flake and I don't like to commit to things then and not show. So I just wouldn't run with people a lot. And, or if I did say I would, I felt terrible if I was like, you know what? I can't make it. I didn't get much sleep. And so sleep would have to win. Being a nursing and so kind of lonely. <laughs> it, I, yeah, it, it's a, it's a lot of work. So, and it, it does like to me, and I know it sounds terrible to like, to me, it was almost kind of like a, a prison that you like, you had this, you was linked and it was really stressful to like leave. Because then you're constantly thinking about, okay, well, do I need to pump? Am I going to be able to make it home in enough time? Like there were so many things that you would play out with all of that, that, you know, you just stressed about it. And then it was, again, you're taking away the joy and things because you're stressing over things. And so it was really hard. I think, I don't know, when did it start getting easier? I feel like this last year was easier because also, I mean, you know, my daughter was nine months old when COVID hit. And oh, so geez. that, I mean, was a whole different ball game. So, you know, that, yeah, but uh, I would say three and five for them was a good age where they started to get a little bit independent on like the kid, you know, my, my daughter, she's like, she's not one that's going to get into things. My son at three. No. He, you know, he was daredevil. He's going to be getting into things like you couldn't you trust him, him to be left without a set of eyes on him for like, no, yeah, 100%. Like he, he's that kid. So, you know, each kid is very different. She's, she's more like, she wants to sit in color. He's like, let's go find something to jump off of. And so, you know, <laughs> there's, fun. there's some, the, yeah, he's, he's a good time. Maybe he but, got a uh, little bit of he's your... stressful. Your spirit, you know, of wanting to do crazy things. <laughs> maybe. So, so maybe. Angie, what what I'm curious and what I'm coming to find out, everyone's answer is kind of 
differs on this, but what was what was harder, training for the hundred or running? Actually, running a hundred miles. For me, training one hundred percent. The race itself, I mean, it flew by. I had the most fun at my race, and I, you know, I think part of it is the mental game. It, it was really for me. It was the victory lap. I had found a way to work all of this training in with work with kids and it was it was my victory lap it was what i had trained for it was what i wanted to go have fun and i was very adamant that it was going to be fun and i you know this was what i wanted to do i signed up to put myself through this i am not going to walk away being angry or letting it be a bad time because then why did I do it? And so I really, really tried to focus on a good positive attitude while I was running it. Cause I mean, anybody can tell you, you can hit a low and you can hit a dark spot and something like that. And if you let those dark moments, you know, overpower, they can live for a really long time and you can really have to battle through just being really angry <laughs> for a long time. So I really, and Jacob, you'll appreciate this because in listening to you guys in several podcasts before, something that you had said that was something that resonated with me and I took it to a whole different level was you had had like a moment where you was kind of in a low when you started singing out loud. You can correct me if I'm saying this <laughs> wrong. And I was like, you know, I was like a choir kid in high school and I love music. And I'm like, you know, I should sing. And so little did I know, I sang out loud, like the whole race. <laughs> like, <Wow>. I. <laughs> yes. That is so fun. So, let's it. be friends. <laughs> let's go no, run together. So, no, don't. You don't um, like singers next to you. <laughs> Well, oh, I know. I'm sure mind, people <laughs> were so annoyed with me. Uh, my poor pacers. Like, here's really funny. Guilty pleasure. One of my favorite things to run to is Hamilton soundtrack. Okay, I sang through the entire Hamilton soundtrack <laughs> twice. So, oh my um, gosh. That's so, so awesome. Um, you should do. Have you heard of the, the Taylor Swift challenge? Are you are you no. a Swift oh, like, at all? I've seen where. I mean, I've seen the stuff like where she did her whole set on a treadmill or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Is that you what you're talking that. about? I, I have, I do haven't that. done the. <laughs> that's my next ultra. Is the there Taylor Swift challenge? Uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, I actually, I really started to recognize, and what I did mentally is what I had decided was nothing was allowed to live inside my brain, and that meant the words to music. That meant anything I was thinking had to be said out loud. And I did this to myself because, again, once we start focusing internally and we start focusing on the things that hurt or the things that are going wrong and we sit and we dwell on that, then it kind of eats us up and we can get in our head. So I thought the best way to not get in my head is to never be in it to begin with. And so I decided to make everything external. And that went like if I was like having a hard time, like this is where I like real deep mentally with this, because even if I was struggling to eat food, I would say, Angie, you like to eat oranges. Like I was like trying to will myself to eat things. So I'm like, (laughs) I'm going to say this out loud. I don't know if it helped any. And I really probably seemed really crazy. 
Uh, I was going to say, I wonder what people thought. You're like, and then you stop and you're like, you like to eat oranges. Like, yeah, I know. Uh, one of my good friends, he asked me like the week after the race, he goes, so did you sing not to go crazy or did you sing because you are crazy? And I'm like, you know what? I'm not the sure. The <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't have an answer for you. Um, so yeah, I'm sure I really did look really crazy, but I was having a great time. And my pacers knew, like, if I was starting to feel like if I was hitting a low moment, I would hear them. They're like, she's not singing as much. Like, I'm not really sure what's going on. <laughs> so then they'd be like, maybe you should change You're your like music. You're not crying. singing as much. <laughs> so, wow. yeah, they could tell where I was mentally by how loudly I was singing, I guess. <laughs> wow. I think that that is an amazing tool that I've never heard, but... So I'm not to, encouraging people to sing the whole time. I mean, I but think that's I a good idea think, if that works for you. <laughs> I do think if you're starting to maybe struggle mentally, yeah. the idea of making everything external versus internal really helped me. And that was just a, I, I can't be in my head if I'm not allowed to be in my head, right? So if, if you find a way to stay out of your internal monologue, then you don't focus on everything your body's trying to tell you that makes you want to quit because your feet are killing you. You've got blisters, you know, you're tired, everything hurts. You know, my, my ribs, my pack for some reason, I guess just from having so much water, like I thought my ribs, like I really thought maybe I'd like broke a rib because my ribs were so bruised. It was hurting. Oh but I'm like, if I focus on that again, then I could sit and dwell on it all day, but I'm going to have to still keep going. You know, I knew I was going to finish that race, so I can either focus on it and just be miserable or I can sing and laugh and have a good time and not let that be something that I focus on. Well, it's like, how would the world be different if everybody could hear your thoughts? We would probably be a lot more careful about what we thought, right? So that's yeah, super powerful. I love that idea of saying everything out loud. Yeah. Don't I wouldn't do that in like everyday life. I think that could cause problems, <laughs> no, but no. during a hundred mile race, that's I think that's a good idea. <laughs> I don't know. People might my friends that listen to this might go, Well, no, Angie usually says what she's thinking anyway. So they might think that that's totally on character for me. But <laughs> I love it. Those are my favorite yeah. kind of people. <laughs> well, Angie, I think my goodness. You, I, I'm bummed. I literally have so many. More I know. I can't so. believe we're already at an hour here. <laughs> <laughs> we might have to have you on again. Yeah, but <laughs> anytime. I awesome. I just have I have so much respect, especially Melody and I. Obviously, just had our first kid. I had the respect for parents who run ultras before, but after having a kid and you, you do not understand takes, until you have a kid. Yeah, that's what everyone says, right? And you're like, oh well, I don't know how hard could it really be, but <laughs> my <laughs> goodness, like it, my respect. I was actually telling Melody the other day, and I hope people without kids don't take offense to this, but I was telling Melody the other day, I was like. I have a hard time now listening to advice from anyone who doesn't have a kid, <laughs> especially <laughs> especially concerning ultras and training for ultras. They're like, like we'll just get more sleep. And you're like, you don't understand. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure. Where do I yeah. sign up? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. You come watch my kid. So um, <laughs> Exactly. Let, 
<laughs> the fact that you were able to accomplish this great goal and run the Hennepin 100 and with a great time, by the way, I, uh, I Thanks. mad respect to you and, and to all parents out there who are able to do this still. And it's just so much respect. Well, and also, I just want to throw a shout out to your husband, because another thing we've realized is in order for you to train, like you said, you guys have to have shifts and work things out together. And that's something that we realized is when it was just the two of us that we, we just did everything together. But then once you have a kid, now it's every time you go train, your spouse has to sacrifice time for you. So shout out to yeah, your husband absolutely. Who, who helped you train as well. Yep. 100%. So, and he paced me the last 12 miles. So oh, that's awesome. he's awesome. Uh, very unsung on a knee that he just had, like he was on antibiotics for bursitis. So oh, wow. props Ooh. to him. Awesome. Yeah, he was not having a good week that week. It all hit at once. But uh, he, yeah, I mean, he really holds down the fort. He doesn't complain whenever I want to be gone on a Saturday to go do my runs. And you know, if you don't have a village and you don't have the support and you don't have the spouse that's going to, you know, let you do it and like be supportive, it, it, it wouldn't be possible for me if I did not have my, my spouse to help me with the kids and at home. So Amen. 100%. Amen. 100%. I love it. So before we let you go, Angie, we got the classic question of what would be your top piece of advice for somebody? We could even say for parents, whichever, whoever you want to throw this one out to, for someone who wants to run their first 100-mile race, what's your top piece of advice? Mm, man. Gosh, I feel like that's such a loaded question because it's just yeah, like there's you, so you, much advice you, you want to give you to a whole other podcast. You could list you a could. few options here. Um, <laughs> you know, I think one thing you have to believe in yourself that you can do it first and foremost. I, I think that if you're going to go into the race with doubt that you can do it, I think that's the biggest disservice you can do for yourself. So I think there's got to be that mental acceptance that I can do this. I think the other piece of that though, is especially with your first attempt, you cannot compare yourself to other people. You know, you are out there to run your race. And if you start focusing on other people or trying to do what other people are doing and not focusing on what works for you, you're, you're doing yourself a disservice because everybody is different. What works for one person is not going to work for the next person. Somebody will listen to this podcast and listen to the fact that I was singing the whole time and think I am absolutely insane and that would never work for them. And that is perfectly okay. You know, and I listen to people and I think there's that self-awareness that comes with it where you listen to it and you go, that's great advice. It's not great advice for me. And that's okay. You know, it, Everybody is so individual in this. And so if you are somebody that can fit 100 miles into your training plan, go for it. That's great. If you can't, that's also okay. Don't compare yourself to the people who can. You know, it. what is it that the saying, comparison is a thief of joy? Yeah. And I think that yeah. truly is so true with this because recognize why you're doing it. What is your why? Does it bring you joy? Are you doing it because you're doing it for fun, right? If you're doing it for fun, make it fun. You know, don't make it where it's 
you've set yourself up to have a truly miserable experience. And I'm not saying that it's going to go perfect. I got really lucky that my first race went really well, you know, and, and I had races before that did not go really well. I had training runs before that went terrible. So race day came and I got lucky and it went really well, but I also could have just as easily had a day that went terrible. And I can promise you, I will have races and I will have days that go terrible. And I still want to make sure that I can find the joy in what I'm doing because we are working human beings that we're doing this for fun. If, you know, if this, if somebody's listening to this, who's planning on like being sponsored and being a top athlete, then I am probably not the person to talk to (laughs) because my (laughs) motto is it's okay to be just okay. (laughs) So... I love that. (laughs) Um, You know, I think that's my biggest piece. Another like very good piece of advice, and I think it goes into that, is showing gratitude towards people. This goes back to like with my husband. I think that that's also like race day when you're training. Like show gratitude to your coaches. Show gratitude to your spouse. Show gratitude to the people on the course that day because it is a lot of work. Like I volunteered at a lot of races. One of my favorite things to do is to volunteer at like ultras at an aid station. I think the more you can help others, it helps you. So maybe I do it selfishly because I learn so much by helping others. But just having gratitude for the people that have helped you to get where you are. I think really helps on race day because if you're in a low, maybe you're not one that wants to talk out loud or talk to yourself or sing or whatever, but thank a volunteer. Think about the people that you're grateful for. Think about, you know, gosh, at the end of the day, just be grateful that God gave you two legs that work and you can still move forward. You know, there are people that do not have that ability. So, you know, having gratitude in life and having gratitude in running, I think goes a long way in just accomplishing the goal. Amen. I think that's powerful. Thank you. I love it. I love the be self-aware and stop comparing. My, yeah. my favorite is have gratitude. Yeah. Because there's so much to be grateful for. Well, yeah. Angie... You're awesome. If uh, if our this this has been a lot of fun, and do you have any running plans this year? Are are you going to go for another hundred? Are you just scaling it back? So, well, you know, I I felt like I could keep going at a hundred, so why not sign up for a twenty-four hour? So. uh... Heck yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I'm, we have a local run, the Howard Asinger endurance run. It's, I'm going to do the 12 hour day as a training run. I go there every year and either crew or pay, you know, run with others and just have fun. So I'm going to do the 12 hour day in March. And then um, my big race is I'm going to do the 24 hours at six days in the dome and see like my a goal is a 200K, but we're going to see what happens when we get there. So it's a 443-meter yeah. awesome. loop. I'm upping from a 400-meter track to 443 <laughs> meters this time. So <laughs> <laughs> That's yes. what I'm talking about. That's going to be a lot of loops. <laughs> I know. I'm, no, thank it you. It is. It sure <laughs> is. person who seems through an entire 100 would do something like that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, right? I know. I've got a few screws loose. I'm fully aware I'm going to lean into. It. <laughs> no, I love it. Yes. I love it. Those yes. are the funnest people. <laughs> yes, yes, for sure. And if, if our listeners want to follow your running journey, do you have an Instagram handle that they could find you at? 
Yeah, so it's AC Moses. Uh, that's pretty simple, but AC yeah, I'm, Moses. I'm on Instagram a little bit. It's either running or kids because that's pretty much my life. So, <laughs> <laughs> and you have a great write up on your. We didn't really get into the actual race a lot of the Hennepin yeah. 100, but if our listeners want to go check that out and hear the right the detailed write up on it i've read through it it's awesome it's a really good 100 mile write up and that's in your bio on your instagram account right yeah yeah i do have it on there yep yeah okay well angie thank you for joining us here on the podcast yeah, today we thanks for we having loved me. getting to know you and hearing your story and feeling of your energetic hopeful spirit <laughs> for sure keep us updated on on your races this year we're excited to see i will yeah I'll, ha I'll have to let you know what do i mentally do for yes. 24 hours running in circles <laughs> especially when you're in a dome and there's lots of people around you so if you start singing Everyone everyone's there, yeah. gonna hear it it's I, not I, like I you're out I'm on a canal train in the singing <laughs> yeah i'm gonna have to like rain in that i'm a little nervous standing? That might be a good strategy. Oh, though. yeah. Yeah. If it's a last man stand, you might start getting into the last man standing yeah. races. You might drive them Maybe. off the Maybe. I can just annoy everybody until they just don't want to be out there with me anymore. Yeah. yeah. I love it. For sure. I love it. All right. Well, thank you, Angie. We appreciate you coming on today. Well, a big shout out and thank you to Angie Moses. Holy cow, did she share some good stuff. Oh, yeah. That was an awesome episode. Yeah. yeah. And and like I said there at the end, like I after come, becoming a parent, I have so much respect for every parent who runs ultras. You know, every parent. Most in of the people <laughs> we've had on this podcast are parents. Yeah. And, and we've always brought that up like, wow, like way to balance training yeah. and life. But holy cow, no, really. Wow. Yeah. Like, it's tough. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. tough. It, it It is. It is tough. And and anyways, so. And we still talk like we totally know it. Yeah. We're three we... months in. <laughs> <laughs> Act like we're professionals here. <laughs> anyways, Melody, what were some of your main takeaways? My biggest takeaway was how much fun she had doing her 100-mile race. And it sounds like she just reminds herself all the time to have fun. And... That was a good reminder for me because I definitely slash was the kind of person who did get too caught up in the training and, and the numbers. And it got to a point where it just was not fun to me. And she she brought up a really good point. It's like, why get to the point where it's not fun so you can be a little bit better but the thing is like you're you're not going to win. I I'm probably I'm not going to win any 100-mile races anytime soon. I mean, I don't know, maybe in the future one day that would be cool, but but is it really worth giving up the fun parts of it so I can be a little bit better? How about I be and and who knows, like maybe I actually will be better by loosening up and having fun. You know what I mean? So yeah. anyways, that that was my big takeaway. Yeah, no, I think that's great. You got to loosen up, you got to have fun or else there's no reason to do it. There really isn't. Um, yeah. We don't have to do this. It's not like we need it to make a living or whatever. Right. My main takeaway, I really liked when she's talked about stop comparing, but also along with that, she threw in be self-aware. And I liked her analogy or what she brought up about 
if you hear like, you know, what somebody else did to achieve their 100 mile finish or to win their 100 mile race or whoever, whether it's an elite or an average Joe out there, be self-aware, like listen to what they did, but also recognize like, okay, that worked for them probably won't work for me. I mean, sometimes you got to try it, but there's other things like maybe you have already tried it and it didn't work for you or your situation is just different than their situation. You can't do that. It's just not realistic for you. I mean, but you still had to push yourself. So there's a balance there, but just be self-aware and then don't compare to them, you know, because they're in a different situation. They're in a different fitness. They're living a different life. They have different people around them. They eat different foods than you. They work a different job, whatever it is. I'm sure they still have good advice and probably could take something away from it. But be self-aware of what, what you do take away. So like with these episodes, we bring, bring on a lot of different people. Maybe one person resonates with you more than another. But I think everyone's got something that you could probably, I mean, here we are talking about takeaways. Like I don't. I don't necessarily agree with everything all of our guests say, but I don't have to hate on it or, you know, anything like that. Right. So I just like putting the two together. I've never put the two together. Be self-aware and stop comparing. Put it together. Well, and, and we get to choose. We get to choose yeah. how we train and how we live. No one no one can make us do something we don't want to do, right? Yeah. So it's, it's our choice. Can I say one more thing? Yeah. I really... I really wanted to read this part in uh, Angie's write-up. I really love what she said about gratitude. So she says, run with gratitude. Thank the volunteers. Smile in big, in big letters. Have fun. Make the most of the experience. When you are in a low point, thank someone for helping you. Thank God you still have the ability to put one foot in front of the other. Thank your significant other for making sacrifices in their schedules to allow you to train. Thank your crew and slash or pacers. Thank your coach for all the guidance along the way. Celebrate another runner if they pass you or if you pass them. Be encouraging to them. I feel like if we continue to try and find the joy and gratitude in the situation, the lows pass more quickly and we can find our highs again. I just thought that was beautiful. It is, yeah. Gratitude goes a long ways. It does. I remember like the best points of my 100 mile race were actually when I was feeling gratitude. And that's a great life lesson too. When you're feeling low, remember what you're grateful for. Yeah. Well, thank you, Angie, for being a light in the ultra running world. And uh, best of luck to you on your running journey. And if you guys want to learn more about Angie, we didn't even scratch the surface of of her story and her advice. She has a write-up on our website under stories, trolldowinhood.com. Also, if you're interested in learning more about our coaching, we help people run their first 100-mile race. Again, trolldowinhood.com under the coaching tab. We also have some fun Trollda 100 swag. Jacob is wearing the t-shirt right now. If you're on YouTube, uh, check that out if you're interested. We got some cool t-shirts and some cool running buffs too. Thank you, everybody, for joining us here on Trail to 100. And remember, if you want to run 100 miles, make it happen. happen.